Welcome to that Greaves and Rooney Sports Podcast. I'm Dan Greaves. I'm Martin Rooney. And today we're going to wrap up a few things that have been going on in the world of sport since the uh, the summer, I guess. Yeah, we're going to talk about British Athletics. Um, we're going to talk about the British Athletes Commission, BOA. Yeah, and Rule 40 and going to Olympic Games and what sponsorship opportunities there are. Or lack of. <laughs> so we really hope you enjoy the pod. Rooney now kicks away. Commonwealth champion for Discus Dan. Rooney gets the goal medal at the last four Paralympic Games. Martin Rooney ran a great race in lane one. Great character. Well done, Dan Greaves. So then, we're fastly approaching December. How's training been going, mate? December. December's come around quick, hasn't it? Uh, training's going okay. It's um, I'm quite fit, which is... I haven't felt fit, fit for a long time. Um, so it's nice to be... I'm training in a group with Nick Dakin. And I get to run with people again, which I've missed. I really enjoy that. And obviously Nick's got a proven track record. I think he's had uh, someone at a major championships, uh, every major championship since 1996. So there's not many coaches in the UK have got anything close to that. That's a um, stat and a half, isn't it really? When you think, like, how long has been going? How, like some of the greats that he's had in his group. And then, you know, such like, so his coaching qualities, as obviously you were coached, by him previous and then yep. I've gone back so um, like do you just really enjoy his like style of coaching and is that I think um, I, I'm obviously good friends with Nick uh, like I worked with him from 2005 to 2012 um, after that 2012 I needed a change needed something different um, but we always had a good relationship like even mm-hmm. when I was being coached by Reina like if I needed somewhere to stay they can be like oh you can come uh, yeah. stay at my house for a couple of days or whatever and I was doing that regularly it was always oh. like He's just a good person. I think that yeah. sometimes it's forgotten that he's a good bloke. Um, he's not really on the Instagram thing. <laughs> so he's not part of this current crop of coaches that have to be so really good cool. at taking pictures and really good at doing Instagram and Twitter and stuff. But he's, he's good at the core, core things of being a coach, you know, which is... Uh, um, I mean, like, I think himself. he'd have quite a lot of followers given he's got an R out. Audi R8. Yeah, he's got an R8. I've never nice been never been in the R8. Maybe he's not that good a friend. I thought it might be out today because it's sunny, but um no. So how about you? How's winter training going, Daniel? It's going all right. It's going okay. Um with like it's been really weird. This so obviously I completely miss worlds, but we started end of September, um, after selection and I pulled out of the worlds and we just really started from the ground up. So just going isolated core stability, hip mobility, trying to get my hip right doing lower back work and just working upper body strength and now we've implemented leg work isolated legs doing more advanced core and yoga and I do feel like in a really good place I've started to do some drill work in the circle so I'm hoping that the foundations are there come January we're going to start to start to throw fingers crossed and touch wood um, talk to me about the 60 for 60 well 60 for 60 yeah um, if anyone's seen the challenge if not it's 60 reps at 60 kilos, which um, my SNC coach, Michael Johnston, thought was a brilliant idea. And I, I I, was like, okay, brilliant. He's done it before. So, and I just, on the first attempt, got 60 for 60. Um, and then proceeded to tell me I had a full session after it. So I was like, that is just a warm up. Okay. And then we've been doing it every Monday and Friday religiously. And now with it challenges 62 at 62. But then you, like you yourself, have had a go. Is like 
couple of obviously athletes have had a go. Not quite sixty for sixty. I started at thirty for thirty. I've done thirty five for thirty five, and the aim is to get to forty to forty. But I think it's like something that I re- I lack is strength endurance, and you know we very rarely go above twelve. Maybe I think in the past I've, the most I've ever reps I've gone to is twenty, but that's just as a building block for like short term. So yeah, eight eight to twelve is probably max reps we ever do. So to go to sixty and feel that lactic threshold kick in and trying to improve that has actually made my big bench a lot easier for some strange reason because we do a workout where we do eight, five, three, and then three single reps and then a five to finish. And the eight, then after you've just done 60, is far easier, A, far easier to count, but B, it feels... Counting is the hard bit. (laughs) Counting is the hard bit. You get to like, you have to have somebody count in tens to get you there. And it's like, because you just want to focus your energy on actually just lifting. Um, 60 reps is no... (laughs) <laughs> it's um it's really hard it's a proper weight like but, i think when you think about like obviously you, you have a max your pb is what 200 200 you're yeah. regularly around 180 um 60 might sound like it's not that much but when you get to like 30 reps at 60 kilos like you gotta think what the average person well okay maybe not the average person maybe the average uh female athlete weighs about 60 kilos right somewhere in that ballpark so you're basically benching them for 60 reps it's very hard yeah, but yeah, like it's just and it's just challenging, and I think like for me, I'm I, I love going for the big singles. That's all my bag. But this challenge has really kind of opened my eyes up to just how kind of yeah, just how weak I am in certain areas. Like strength endurance is just not my bag at all, and to, like to have I hate lactic. It's awful. I just I just get swollen and sore and yeah. Oh, it's minging. So I'd, I'd hate to be a running. Yeah, you see, you're the opposite. You love it. You love it. Lactic in your upper body because we don't, obviously, your legs are strong because you use them all the time. You stand up, you walk, you move around. You you, you use your legs and they're trained. No matter how fit or unfit you are, your, your leg strength is always going to be more than your arm strength. So when it's like lactic tolerance in your arms, it's just a horrible, horrible thing. Like, And it hits you in the head, literally. It's so good to drive home. Just like even like flick it takes an effort just to flick the indicator to get off campus like i'm going right but i can't actually move my hand <laughs> oh it's yeah it's a different but it's really good it's just something i guess like i guess for you it'll be really good because you need your arms like for that what 45 44 seconds of pure pumping to get you across the line and even quicker like to get your upper body going um so for me as a like as a thrower where my event takes what like a second if that um it's something i think that just to endure the muscles in a different tone and it's like it's, it's working well um good challenge good for the gram as well yeah well, yeah we need to get some more people doing it i think we need to really push any it listeners do you think you can do it or even something similar like if you're coming down to my weight that's fine but just like put it on instagram tag dan for instance like jess so um jazz so did 60 reps at 20k just the bar which is really impressive and and then other other athletes have dropped down to i think james Dasalu, adig bashan got to like 20k and then just was like yeah that's me done at 60k um so but then it's just a fatigue thing see how far you can go tag dan greaves yeah push we'll, yourself through we'll that barrier pod. um but yeah but I, i'm i'm kind of itching now to pick up a disc but also, I've had to keep reminding myself like it could be still too early and we could set ourselves back. It's it's a real fine line of 
knowing when is the right time and you think it might be like you feel good I feel I feel strong physically legs are starting to come on like I've dropped some body fat but it's that all important do I pick it up now and then risk picking up an injury because I'm just not quite ready and we that's why we've spent so long so many months just building in so hopefully come January should be able to pick up a disc and then we'll be able to hit the ground running from um, from then on really so, British Athletics, a bit of turmoil. Well, yeah, British Athletics and UK are both in a little bit of hot, hot water, shall we say, recently. It's not been great press, but... We should, we should say that British Athletics is the performance side, so that the athletes and uh, the support staff that work with the athletes, so SNC, coaches, physios, that's all British Athletics. And then UK Athletics is the separate money-making side, which uh, seems to be huge and have a, a lot of sway on what happens. Yeah, it's, it's the business, it's kind of like the business side. So they've got the marketing team, they've got every kind, um, obviously they've got HR and finance team, and everything you'd expect a, a business to have is on that UK athletic side, like say performance side, looking after grassroots right through to um, podium athletes um, is the British athletic side. Um and yeah, not being like, obviously we're both funded athletes and we very much appreciate the support we get, but we are always looking to improve ourselves and have the support of the team around us. And it's been obviously great for us, but for some other athletes, it's, it's not looking so great on selection and everything else that's been, been coming through-ish in the last couple of months. Oh yeah, I can only say that I've been well supported through my career. Obviously there's things that haven't gone my way with so support or whatever but like uh, in the grand scheme of things I've been well looked after and um, yeah like uh, I've done my bit by winning medals and stuff but anyway um, Zara hi Peters I yeah like personally I, I've known Zara since I was quite young she's always been good to me and um, I was quite excited to have her come into British Athletics um, I felt that she might be someone who she didn't take any bullshit do you know what I mean? She struck me as someone who... Very straight talking and quite proactive in the, the things. So it's a shame when you hear the um, safeguarding issues that have happened in the past. Um, obviously, have been wildly, widely reported. Um, well, yeah, we've been, obviously, as a commit Athletes Commission, we've been looking into this because it's very important to keep the welfare of athletes and safeguarding um, a top priority. It's it's a really it's a really sticky situation because obviously by mere association, um, to Zara, her husband, who wasn't actually found guilty in court um, of any, it was just purely allegations against him, which is it's obviously still a serious thing and you have to take it seriously. But he wasn't. I think it's quite important to point the facts out that he wasn't actually found guilty of any wrongdoing. Um, it's really tricky that then obviously the oversight of Zara that was. Um, co-chair or um, chairwoman at the time of athletics club still enabled when he was banned from teaching children to to be involved with teaching children how, in athletics and a completely separate entity from his um, teaching career so I think I think it's good that UK Athletics have made quite a, a big stand and quite a prominent decision um, I think she would have been great because the type of person she is but 
um, it always nags a little bit of doubt in anyone's mind if they oversee something as important as that. What other things might they oversee? So I guess the UK Athletics have had to take the decision quite firmly to um, to kind of stand her down from her position. Yeah, I think um, it's an unfortunate situation. I feel that they've made the strong decision because that's what they had to do. Um, they didn't. I don't know if they're going to get in someone as capable yeah and that's my next question is like who do you really then look out it's like when football managers get a new manager if there's no one out there to really fill the role who do you then bring in to our footballer wouldn't matter you know about it's a different different world yeah. <laughs> they forgot they forget about things in a week <laughs> but it's, just, it's you know it's it's such an important role to get right a CEO of a business is you know from the top down some of the decisions that they make impacts so so many people and you need to get that decision right and I think Chris Clark who we've had a conversation previously is a great chair um, been you know very influential so far I really hope that you take some time maybe to to really find the right person and look for a more long long like a longevity aspect towards where athletics, athletics is going so we can actually get the right person in who's really going to make an impact not only at the performance end, but also at the grassroots. Yeah, I, I want to see someone come in who does more stuff with clubs. I think um, that's something that British Athletics have neglected over the years. I know maybe that's UK Athletics' role. I don't know. Um, but I feel that if we can get more people working in with the clubs and more support, so there's more connection between the performance end of British Athletics and the, the grassroots and the club, like the it's more of a holistic approach to athletics rather than just like, oh, we need to hit our medal target. If we don't hit our medal target, then we're not going to get funding, blah, blah, blah. We need to have a better community feel within the sport. Yeah. And I think that's something that's been lacking. I definitely feel like uh, I went down and did some, I did one for my club, was it last year, the year before? And it was like, you could see that it was like, there's nothing from British athletics there. It was just, and that's kind of, well, this is where your athletes have come from. So why are you not like, why have you got a presence here? Why are you not involved? Um, I know the league's changed. It's gone back to a, a joint league now so it's men's and women's my club Croydon Harris have decided not to be involved um, I'm sure there's very good reasons for it probably I think we don't have the strongest we don't have much depth at our club uh, we're not we're a small club and we've, we're more of a feeder club so for the bigger ones like um, Blackheath and Bromley or but then like with that how does Croydon survive how does Croydon survive it's a community club at the end of the day um, it's there to bring as many kids through and um, we have a, a lot of veterans and stuff who do lots of stuff compete for Great Britain a lot and stuff but um, it's, it's about just the love of the sport and I think that sometimes it's very forgotten that's what I say about like Dakin like he's someone that is just people forget that you have to be a nice person as well and he's a nice person but sometimes athletics we kind of think oh we just think of medals and money yeah and it's 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 a catch 22 isn't it because you need the the athletes at the top end to inspire the youngsters to go to the athletics club and they need the athletes at the top end to do well at championships to get the UK sport funding and the structure to infrastructure to feed through at grassroots. Otherwise, you know, we won't be um it won't we won't be able to filter down and we won't have a structure. But then also if that structure at the bottom isn't um isn't filtered through and supporting young athletes coming through, then we won't have the future stars of tomorrow. So I think the whole, that's why I say we need whoever we bring in needs to be able to configure a structure that will help us and and the, the clubs at a lower level that then don't feel like they're too um, too separated from the whole system. What about um, Neil Black? Like you know, we both worked with Neil Black for 
probably most of our careers. Time. Yeah, I first met Neil here in Loughborough back in 2002 when I was a student. And before the High, pa- High Performance Centre was built, we and Renee Thompson and Pierre McCourt, who were all the physios, because Neil predominantly was a physio first and foremost. Bloody good physio. And we operated out of a porter cabin because this place was being built. So it was absolutely Baltic. I remember many times like having to, they were having to put the heaters on full blast right next to the beds, like massaging and physio in, in jumpers and everything. And it was just hilarious. We took, and then now, obviously, the luxury, we've got like six or seven beds upstairs, <laughs> like got doctor's rooms, everything else. But, and that was when like, that was the first time I met Neil and just an amazing practitioner really switched on. Yeah. Not like, but overriding, like nice guy, like, um, but also wasn't afraid to pursue things that he was passionate about. Yeah. I've got, um, a great feeling about the man. I think he was, I liked him as a bloke. I didn't agree with him on everything. And I think that's just because we didn't agree, but like, I still think he was a good bloke. He worked hard. He worked bloody hard. He was here first person in the morning, last person at night. And he, when uh, Mike Cavendish left to take over the head role at British Triathlon, he um, he literally, <laughs> he was working three jobs or something at one stage, wasn't he? He was just, and as they've had to split the role up since he's gone, I think people forgot how much work he was doing. And um, you know what? Like, uh, I know a lot of people were dislike him like i completely disagreed with him on his olympic selection criteria he's like i i don't i fully i, I think he forgot what it meant to be an olympian how important it was to just even if someone went out in the heats they were still an olympian um and that was something that was lost in him but um i think there's still a lot of things that he was amazing at and um sad not to see the wolf about in the high pack again it's such a kind of obviously a current subject and stuff with the whole salazar and if he was naive to the situation or what was going on behind the scenes, I don't know. We don't know the ins and outs. I don't know any details as what's been reported or um, reviewed, but I guess like he just put his commitment in somebody that, you know, our number one endurance runner, he, he wanted to medal or needed to medal to hit targets. And he obviously wanted that coach to, to do his job. I think maybe he's made it, made him look a little, a little bit of a, a fool maybe if he believed and was a bit naive to what was actually going on I think Neil probably still had his physio head on with Mo and I think the physios that we we mentioned before Pierre Renee Neil um, their first thought was always about getting the athlete there and doing the best that they can do it wasn't actually like about themselves like they those guys worked longer days more hours than anyone I've ever met and um, that thing of they understood what it meant to be part of the team and they understood how important it was to us if, to have them like involved and committed like that. Um, so he probably was just committed to Mo as like, look, this is the athlete I'm working with and uh, I'm committed to his career and I'll support him through it because um, that's important to him and to his team, you know? So um, yeah, maybe he didn't have his performance director head on in that sense. And maybe it was just the physio guy. It was just like, this is my guy and I'm going to stick with him thick and, through thick and thin. Yeah, naturally we can't speak for him, but like just knowing him and his personality and his persona, um, it's, yeah, it's just it's such a shame to lose somebody who's so dedicated and put thirty odd years of work into athletics to make some of the greatest sporting achievements happen through obviously pr- a practitioner side, but also through them helping them as a PD. I'm going to miss his stories. 
Yeah. When you talk about someone who's been in the sport for so long, he had some good stories. And um, he did like to take the piss as well, which was good. I'm going to miss that. But uh, I'll definitely go for a pint with him at some stage. Down in Corn, if he's still in Corn. Um, what's, the, what's the one on the corner? The Royal Oak. Royal Oak, yeah. Yeah. So An old gentleman's favourite. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, British Athletics, UK Athletics, some big things to sort out in the next couple of months. Well, just basically get through to the next, get through the cycle, finish that off, and then they can worry about the rest of it after that. Obviously, with Steve Bowling and Tommy Yule taking kind of the reins, as we're close to Christmas, taking the reins of the reindeers. <laughs> but um, Tommy's been PD at British Weightlifting and, and kind of gets it. He, he's seen that side, and obviously he's been operation operations manager yeah he's been a top athlete um he gets the operational side because that was that's his job at british athletics um so being pd or joint pd i think is only a good thing it kind of spreads spreads the workload um and kind of three quarters of the job's already done it's just this seven this next seven months is vitally important that you give the athletes the best support possible to make the champs um, and and hopefully like we can come away with I mean we had such a great champs at the world champs in RWF world champs in um, Doha that there's some fourth place there that could potentially be encouraged to yeah like, I think he's taken on a good role I think he's going to be um, like we've both worked with Tommy for as a, as a SNC coach before he went to British weightlifting so we have strong relationship with the guy um, I like the word strong in that pun yeah very strong um, strong and powerful but um, uh, I, I hope um, he is able to just be make this a, a success I don't think it's going to be a very hard job like obviously Doha and Dubai went very Dubai went very very well Doha was actually a very strong championships for us um, except for um, there just wasn't a turnover of medals and I think uh, there was a lot of incredible performances that would have won Olympics or world champs in the past um, and uh, yeah just just the way it went on those days but I think um, Tommy and Steve hopefully they do a good job um, I still I think they might need to have a figurehead like as a head coach someone that can athletes can go and talk to maybe I don't know if that's going to be is that event managers or something like that is that what's going to yeah, be yeah I think so yeah I think they'll yeah, I th- I do. I completely agree. Like in the past, we've obviously had Charles and Comney and Neil and Dave Collins to an extent have all been quite big, bubbly, per- personable, and very outlandish characters to have uh, in front of house to deal with press and everything. I was like, it'd be quite interesting to see how Tommy and Steve deal with that. Obviously, leading into Olympic Games is going to be lots. Obviously, with what's been going on the last past couple of months, been lots of interested um, media parties. Um, so it'd be really interesting to see who who they kind of choose as a, a figurehead to confront. Um, Who's going to be the man in front of the camera or the woman in front of the camera? Santa Tummy or <laughs> I know who I'd like it to be. I've already said that privately. I'll leave it private. Leave it. But uh, Dan Grease is basically a, a front runner as well. I wouldn't mind seeing Dan up there. What? answering Imagine. questions yeah. seeing how it goes I think um, yeah we'll see what happens I think uh, athletics obviously we all have our own individual coaches sorry I've got to say athletics properly because my mum always has a go at me for saying athletics Afle- af- athletics um, but yeah athletics uh, we all have our individual coaches who are our figurehead that we look to who kind of set us up so it's going to be interesting to see what happens I think 
um, it's a healthy sport from a performance point of view, so it shouldn't be that hard. Well, let's talk about you and the British Athletes Commission. Dan Greaves, oh, you're going to go bear hug the hell out of that thing. <laughs> I was a bit sceptical whether to put myself forward, but I thought, do you know what? I'm, I'm an old codger in this sport that's been around for a long time and seen my fair share of horror stories. <laughs> and I just I just kind of have looked from an external kind of point of view and thought I've I've given things back to the sport but never for like I've always done like for schools or for young athletes I've never done it at performance level which kind of was a little bit selfish on my part but I just wanted this role to kind of give back and be able to use my experiences both negative and positive to improve the sport as a whole and to hopefully have an input where it can improve somebody else's and give the athletes a voice and improve their opportunity and and maybe their trust in the system as well which is I think mm -hmm. is a vitally important thing at the minute well you, you said you a bit selfish by not doing it there wasn't an opportunity to do it obviously no. the British Athlete Commission is saying it's fairly new um, it's like three or four years old now um, I think yeah about two yeah about three so this is this is the second term of like so we've had a group of people involved in it and then you had to be voted in so you were voted in by other British athletes? Yeah. Yeah. All, all funded athletes got the opportunity to vote for. I vote for you. Thanks, mate. I'd be, uh, be cloak and dagger. I didn't vote for my podcast, but yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, there's some good names in there. I'm big. Uh, I'm glad that Hannah England's still involved. Yeah, Hannah, I know she's put herself out Hannah's there for chair, a lot of other stuff. And she's, she's really good. She's very astute, very on the ball, um, mm. very proactive. 100% committed to um, putting athletes first which is which is fantastic obviously been only I think herself been through the mill on selection and everything else mm -hmm. that crops up and, and policy behind the scenes so is a great advocate to really push things forward to get the athletes voices heard and to also British Athletics and UK Athletics to hear what we have to say and you know make the best environment possible is there any more movement on UK sport trying to get more of a a way in with them? Um, yeah, we're still looking at doing some collaborative work with UK sport, BOA and BPA. Um, there's lots of commissions out there, whether it be sport, the British Athletes Commission as a whole entity, separate entity. Um, and obviously you've got the governing body ones, BOA and BPA. Um, so yeah, I think... I think first of all we have to kind of like clean sweep our own sport and then interact with the others to make sure everyone's kind of learning from each other's experiences mm -hmm. um there's lots of issues at the minute that we kind of need to deal with and make sure that with regards to selection and policy and and having athletes representation in selection meetings and everything is a pivotal point for athletes careers because it's it's looking at the policy it's quite subjective and down to head coach discretion which some athletes get a bit annoyed at because if they if the head coach doesn't see you training because you're off in the hills of Scotland somewhere and but they see someone every day it could be skewed that way so there's lots of areas that we need to kind of look at and make sure that an athlete representation is there and present in those meetings that then the policies adhere to and athletes can be trusting the process of selection and not have any drawbacks when it comes to them either not being selected who um who's the big characters within that 
the British Athletes Commission. Um, so we've got a really good team. So um, Rick Yates is ex 400 meter hurdler. He's um, been used vice to wear white lycra. It's yeah, look, mate. Um, maybe it is. I don't want for me. Was it Jersey? Jersey used to wear. Is, is it Jersey? No, no. He oh, was no. from. I knew him from Manchester. But yeah. I don't know. Um, um, yeah, then we've got Abdul Bahari, big Abdul, the oh, yeah. discus thrower. Um, so we've got a nice mixture of current world class athlete, world class performance athletes, um, and retired athletes. So obviously chaired by Hannah England. Then there's Holly Bradshaw, Naomi Ogbita, um, Ash Bryant, um, Holly Bradshaw. You said Holly twice. Holly twice. Did you say Holly twice? Good. Holly's that bigger character. Bigger character. She, she's, uh, she's, yeah, she had a, a great, great input. And, um, yeah, so Richard Whitehead, Stephen Miller, um, I feel really good. Uh, Nessa Wallace. Um, Nessa Wallace. And, Who's Nessa Wallace? she's a Paralympic shot put thrower. Um, how many? So there's quite a lot of, so there's quite Paralympic. a few. So there was six, six or seven, whether, I think Stephen was re-elected. Okay. Um, and then there was six newbies. Okay. Um, so it's quite big, quite fresh. The best thing about having current world-class performance athletes in the Athletes Commission, it's got a direct link to um, to being more viable um, mm -hmm. of having athletes in the process and um, being having an ear to the ground of what's going on currently in both um, able-bodied and um, para sports. So... It's only a good thing for athletes to be represented by by that. Well, Rick and Abdul both work full time. So Rick is a is a solicitor, a lawyer. Yeah, um, Rick is a yeah solicitor, really successful solicitor, and Abdul works in the city for That's Swiss finance, Bank, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah Swiss, Bank. Swiss. Um, and both really switched on guys that mm. um have obviously got the sporting brain, but also um bring great attributes in organisation um and yeah like. Like really they're successful in the, the industries that they've chosen to go into so that's yeah. that's always a nice thing to have and I think it's nice to see f at my point of view going on we had our first meeting the other a uh, couple of weeks ago on Friday and it was just nice to see that athletes have transitioned into sport into real world if you say jobs I know our job is is real world but it's completely different to going and working in the city or in an mm -hmm. office nine till five um, we get some we're quite time rich um, and it was nice to see elite athletes that were still able to really progress in their um, given field mm -hmm. um, and still have a love for the sport um, yeah it's which, good to have. which is which is obviously naturally when you've been to that level but to some people then obviously are, are so swamped down with work they mm -hmm. didn't really find the time to commit to giving back which I just think is is really great yeah, so they're generous of their time and um, yeah. their expertise, and it's uh, it's a massive asset to the commission to have those guys there. Yeah. I think pushing um, and hopefully, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but hopefully, it's it's only a positive thing to have so many voices that could be heard and so many ideas to be banded around. That hopefully, in the future, there will be so much trust put in the commission that um, both governing body and athlete can feel like they can really progress in. And and not have too many political issues arise. Yeah, I, th I think I've always with with any commission, I felt like it was always if they had contact with the the bank, the purse strings. Yeah, if, if, I always felt like if they had like a bit of contact with the people who ran the money, then they were gonna 
they could be successful. Yeah. So uh, if they didn't have that power, and that's why I say like with UK Sport, they need to have the, the relationship there. Um, but then obviously the BOA, now there's Article or Rule 40 being challenged. Yeah. Uh, Adam Jamili, the big dog, leading the way. Um, trying to... Um, so what, like, what, obviously, from what I can guess of the Article 40, is we had it in our first real experience of it in... Rio was it? Mm -hmm. Rio was the first time I can remember having to do. What a, did we have in London? It was definitely a period where I couldn't tweet my local sp my sponsors or yeah, or whatever. So, but I don't. I don't think it was as rigorous as we are. Okay, Article Forty um, is uh, a rule that's put in place by the IOC, which protects their sponsors. So during the games period, which is what is it, six weeks? Quite a big but, period yeah, of time. They control what. Uh, their assets, i.e. athletes, are allowed to say and who they're allowed to promote or whatever. If they're not uh, an IOC sponsor, then um, you're not allowed to promote them. So that was always a bit contentious. Um, and then each national governing body, so the BOA, um, BPA, have their own Article 40 as well, which has their list of sponsors. And if you didn't, if you ever tweeted, say, like, say, Adidas for a sponsor, um, of the BOA uh, if you tweeted or Nike tweeted congratulations whatever there was a big fine um, and it's a sizable fine yeah. um, and basically Germany the courts in Germany ruled that this rule reduced um, was against competition laws or something like that uh, business competition laws I, I don't know the ins and outs so they've loose, loosened the, the rule um, there still is a rule in place but it gives a bit more freedom to the sponsors and to the athletes the BOA, uh, the US, track, US Olympic Committee followed the German rules and they've loosened their rules. The BOA, as far as I'm aware, haven't. Or they've done a very loose, like they've touched a little bit, but they have to, it's, it doesn't really get anywhere near the same level as the German or the, the US uh, Olympic teams. And what Adam Jamili and a group of athletes that I've put my name yeah. to are trying to do, um, not that I have a, any sponsors, but <laughs> what I'm trying to do is like make it so that athletes can have a uh, like they can shout out their support. Yeah. They don't have to do like it's not asking for a huge amount. We're not asking for money. We're not no. asking for it's just the opportunity to thank the support yeah. the sponsors that have got you to that position. Um, in a lot of athletes, there's people doing GoFundMe pages. Yeah. So we're not talking about millionaires asking for more money. It's talking about people who are putting all their life and their savings and. Yeah. Uh, like the top level of funding is 28 grand a year yeah. it's not 28 grand a week no. it's uh, we're trying to put ourselves in a position where we can afford to train and compete and then win medal medals yeah. for our country and then in that process get support from our sponsors <laughs> I mean like like you said there you need to yeah, you haven't got a sponsor you know if other athletes haven't got sponsors mm -hmm. like from a legal perspective if this goes through yeah and obviously then reduces the size maybe that sponsors input into BOA and stuff. Do you reckon that could affect the, because obviously then it will affect the team sizes because that's how they fund going to Olympic Games. Do you reckon that could affect people's opportunity to actually go? It could do. I think within the BOA, there's a lot of people who are employed. And yeah. if you really are harsh about it, why do we have UK Sport and BOA? We only need one of them. Yeah. So that's a big two pots that could become one pot. Um, I know that's yeah, what they do in a lot of other countries, <laughs> and yeah, they do, like a lot of other I countries. Mean, the states just have one. Yeah, in a lot yeah, of other countries, they pay their athletes medal bonuses and stuff. We don't get that, no. um, 
and it's not what we're asking for but like if they say oh there's not enough money then yeah. why do we need you as an organization kind of thing like i yeah. feel like uh uk sport and the boa should combine and become one larger larger entity, but yeah. better organized and yeah. more efficient pot and um that would be my but, yeah. pretty harsh answer if they said oh we can't have fun to have these guys go to olympics well yeah. we don't need to send 50 support staff for each event you know what i mean yeah, yeah it's true it's, it's, it's just something i i read the other day like there was a drawback and they're gonna, that was one of the drawbacks is it could have just affect team size but i'm sure there's like <laughs> accommodations that they could make to make sure that because obviously every prize for every for every person doing sport is to reach the OG. Mm. Like the Olympic Games is the big one. But then if you're a regular, obviously you're on a high performance athlete and you've got sponsors that you need to fulfill. And yeah, that's like Adam said, I, I'm very much back it. It's it's such a finite period of time of being an elite athlete. You mm -hmm. have to capitalize on everything that you do. Yeah. I and think it's, it's not like we're in a we're not like we're in a like our careers could end any any training session or anything yeah. like that where you you could you know you, I've, I know with having the hernia four weeks out from London I thought okay that's it mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to compete and so I've been on that tightrope of you then need to look at everything so in depth and going right I need to make this opportunity work yeah um, I think um, it's yeah, capitalising on your performance as mm. you can um, I felt like I'd say if we were earning millions of dollars or whatever, millions of pounds, it'd be a different scenario and you'd be happily accept the BOA, but we're not. <laughs> like um, like I said, the top level of funding is 28 grand and sponsors are restricted massively by um, the rule 40. So athletes might get more sponsors, might not be big, not big money or anything, but just a little bit more support, which helps them get there. And like I said, compete for their country. Yeah. That's the end of another Greaves and Rooney Sports podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, you can follow us uh, at Discus Dan and at Martin Rooney on all platforms. If you could subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, that'd be brilliant. Um, share the pod. Get out there. Tell your friends about it. But uh, thanks for listening and speak to you soon.